Pray with me if you would. Kind Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity to share your word with these, your servants, sons, and daughters. Bless now the word, God. I've done what I know to do and study. So I ask for fresh oil that you would anoint me to preach this word in this place to your people. In the name of Jesus, I offer it. Amen. Amen. I'd like to tag as a topic to this message, there's hope in your holler. There's hope in your holler. From graduation parties to a mall, 13 mass shootings have happened over the weekend, leaving more than a dozen dead and over 70 injured in one weekend. The U.S. has suffered 246 mass shootings since January 1, far more than there have been days so far in this year, according to the Gun Violence Archive. In Chesterfield, Virginia, one person was killed and eight others were injured. In Macon, Georgia, one person was killed and three others were wounded. In Saginaw, Michigan, three people were killed and two people were wounded. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, one person was killed and three people were wounded. In Ecorse, Michigan, five people were wounded. In Hempstead, New York, one person was killed and three people were wounded. On May the 14th, an admitted white supremacist unloaded gunfire at a Buffalo, New York supermarket, snatching the lives of 10 people and left three more injured. It was the deadliest mass shooting of the year in the United States for just over a week. And then 10 days later, a gunman targeted a fourth grade class at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, killing 21 people and injuring 17 more. It was the deadliest school shooting in America since Sandy Hook. Mass shootings are happening all over this country with depressing regularity. Among the, la- the, the, at the at least 11 mass shootings over the first weekend this month, just this past weekend, 14 people were shot near a nightclub in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 14 people were shot in a busy entertainment district in Philadelphia, and eight were shot at a graduation party in Somerton, South Carolina. It followed a shooting at a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and an attack at a Taiwanese church service in California. Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, was day 156 of the year, and the country has already experienced at least 246 mass shootings this year. At least 246 shootings in 22 weeks averages out to 11 people dying a week from mass shootings. For people of color, the living has never been easy, but this is crossing so many other lines than color. We know now if it wasn't for our parents who prayed and cleared the path for us or their predecessors who cleared the path for them, where would we be? The fact that we find this woman in a crisis in our scripture or the fact that we may be in one is nothing new. Africans Africans in the Americans have always been under siege since 1516 when the first Africans landed on this land in western soil. We've known about trouble. But our text today shows a woman who has a crisis on the inside as well and she's hanging tightly to her hope 
as she hollers out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed. This wasn't just this woman's daughter's problem. It was her problem, too, just like these mass shootings in our country. It's not just the people in Saginaw, Michigan, or the people in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's the people in Richmond, Virginia, as well. And it's especially the people in Washington, D.C., who are not doing anything about gun control. In this country... Our current situation is crossing rock, uh, race blockades, it, it's crossing economic boundaries, it's crossing religious barriers, and suppressing our negative thinking is a constant struggle because we want to know where are you, God, in the midst of all of this? It's a struggle we, we face for a very long time. If we don't do something to change laws that will change access to deadly weapons, we're going to keep adding to these statistics. Yes, I'm angry. I can't be quiet. I can't be worried about who thinks what because I'm a mother who has buried a child. And so I can only imagine what 19 children's parents are thinking today when people won't change laws. But worry won't change things. We've got to make some decisions that are going to make these problems go away. Worrying only clouds our vision. When we worry instead of praying, we become immobilized instead of making the necessary moves to correct what's not working in our lives and in our world. And when we lose hope, we disconnect from our true source of power. We cease imagining the brighter future we can create because we don't see our present situation as what it is. It's an opportunity to bring about change and an opportunity to acknowledge that God is always present if we would just call on him like this woman. She didn't hesitate to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. I'm calling on the same God tonight, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Our nation is vexed by a demon that's killing our people. We know we need to change, but it ain't always easy. I know it's not good grammar, but it's good theology. So we must call on that same name that this woman, this Canaanite, this Syrophoenician woman called on, Jesus, the son of David. Right now, we can't afford to avoid thinking about or discussing a problem until it has become too big and urgent to ignore. We can't bury ourselves in work and party and shop and eat and take painkillers or other drugs or do things that, we, that causes us to avoid feeling uncomfortable. The late Pastor Linda Holly suggests that we mistakenly believe that the art of living is to be found in the seeking of pleasure and the avoidance of pain when the very reason for our existence is to be present where we are, to experience what happens to us and around us so that we can expand our awareness, take action, and grow. In every crisis, there's a message. Crisis is a nature's way of forcing change, breaking down old structures, shaking loose negative habits, and making room so that something new and better can take their place. Are you willing tonight to call on the name of Jesus like I am. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. We're in a bad situation and people are dying. The scripture read in our hearing doesn't tell us the woman's name, but what it does tell us is that she's a woman who's willing to holler. She's a desperate mother with a desperate situation. And so she hollered. 
Anybody who has ever had someone to love them, care for them, pray for them, and nurture them understand what happens when a mother hollers out in desperation for one of her children. Tonight, I'm one of those women. The scripture doesn't tell us the woman's name, but it does tell us that this is a worried woman who Jesus called a dog. Now, can I just stick a pen right there and Lisa rise this? If I can use my sanctified imagination for a few moments, I can picture her saying, Jesus, you can call me whatever you want, but I've got a situation. And I ain't got time to go nowhere else because I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt, a keychain, and a hat to wear. And as for the bread, even the dogs get the bread from the master's table. The church folks are tripping because this woman is ignoring them and they feel they're feeling some type of way about it. But Katie, I could not find anywhere in the scripture that they called that she called on them. She said, Jesus, son of David. She didn't say disciples. She said Jesus. You see, there's a tendency in our society, in our culture, in our religious settings for religious leaders to set boundaries for who can and will receive a blessing or healing from God. We have come, become so entrenched with our traditions and our rules and regulations that if people don't fit our mold for who should get a blessing, they often become the lost, the forgotten, the marginalized, and the exiled. But Christ shows up in his sovereignty. Thanks be to God. And while we're trying to determine who is able to receive a blessing, Jesus blesses whomever he decides to bless, how he wants to bless them, when he wants to bless them, wherever he wants to bless them. He shows us, us that he's not bound by our religiosity with our legalistic boundaries, nor is he limited to our understanding of his plan for anybody's life, not even our own. But we can surely make people feel left out if they don't fit our profile that we've created for the church, would somebody be honest and say, ain't nothing but facts? In all of our lives, there are times when we're hit with situations that leave us feeling like there is hope, no hope. You know the cliche, desperate times call for desperate measures, and this pericope is no different. Here we have a woman with courage. She has crossed all kind of boundaries because of her daughter's predicament. We would do well to follow her lead down through history. The story has been told, taught, and preached of this Syrophoenician woman, but rarely is it taught or explained as one of the most important models of how to go to the Lord when we find ourselves in an agitated quandary. Rarely is it expounded upon that this foreign woman has given those who sometimes feel like outsiders a model of how to move by faith to speak, to speak boldly to the one who can do something to turn your situation around. Isn't it interesting that when we get in a desperate place, we know how to call on the name of our God. But we must become hope, as hopefully resolved as this Canaanite woman, this outsider, and call him like we mean it. Call him like we really need him. Call him like we really know that we can't go to anybody else because he's the only one who can do something about our situation. She called on him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. She didn't just call his name. She didn't just say Jesus. She said Jesus, son of David. She's not concerned with what the disciples are thinking or saying. Jesus, son of David is what she, she said. She's not concerned with the fact that she's crossed gender, religious, ethnic, socioeconomic, or geographical boundaries. Jesus, son of David, she hollered because she wanted some relief for her situation. 
She was in a place of desperation, but she found the determination to get a change for her situation, no matter the consequences or cause. This woman was out alone outside the region of her home, uh, her home to get healing that she hoped, and hoped for and believed that God had. This raised a number of concerns for me. Allow me to paint this picture if you would. This text starts off with a subordinate conjunction. Then, in the King James Version, it says, Then Jesus went. In the NIV, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. This tells me that Jesus had been somewhere prior to going to Tyre and Sidon. So what brought Jesus to this ancient city of Phoenicia, which is our present-day Lebanon? Jesus had been on a healing spree already over in Gennesaret. He shared some parables, fed 5,000, walked on water, healed a few folk. But what would make him come to this territory that is not known for healing but for trade? I would dare say it was a hopeful, hollering woman. I would say it was a bold woman, a woman with a situation, a woman with courage to step out on faith. She was so courageous that she confronted a group of men in a leper's house without considering the consequences of her action. She was so courageous that she disregarded the fact that she was an outsider and the fact that her daughter was demonically possessed. None of this really made her any difference. This woman wasn't concerned with trying to impress anyone. She was desperate and determined. She was Syrophoenician and assertive. And she's from the hood, y'all. She's from a region that was not a part of God's covenant relationship with the Israelite. Yet she is going from this extremely disadvantaged position to petition the Lord on her daughter's behalf. I would dare say that there are some of you who need to call on the Lord with the same determination on your family's behalf, or maybe even your own. This woman disregards anything that is going to keep her from getting what she came for, even though up until now she had not been a believer. But she has tried everything else to handle her problem, and she has finally come to the place where she will do whatever it takes to get some relief for her family. So she hollered. Jesus, son of David. I'm in the text. I know it's a family situation because she said, have mercy on me. Her daughter is grievously vexed, but she's asking God to have mercy on her. So now whatever has happened with her daughter is impacting all of the family. My daughter is vexed with a demon. The situation in her household is affecting everybody and she needs some relief. The Syrophoenician woman may not have been a woman with dark skin color, but she surely knew what it felt like to be looked down upon. She was smooth about how she handled it. She has given us a model on how to approach God. When we are in a desperate situation, the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge who Jesus is. The first thing this woman did was to bow down at Jesus' feet and pay reverence to him for his royalty. Regardless of how bad our situation appears to be, we can't forget who Jesus is. We can't allow our situation to think that it's bigger than our Savior. So we must approach him in humility. Bowing down is a posture of respect and worship. This woman is obviously privy to the teachings of the Israelites because she does something that moves the heart of Jesus. She worshiped him. She touches his compassion for the exiled and the weary to the point that he remains in communication with her without saying a word. 
This posture allows him to see her respect and her perseverance, her hope, and most of all, her faith is tugging at his heartstrings. Her faith has moved her from being an outsider to being a believer. He no longer just sees a woman, a foreigner, without a man and without status, and he now gives her a voice to make her request known. But before she did anything, she bowed in worship. She hollers and moves her hope from desperation to liberation, and then she secondly acknowledges the truth of the situation. In any 12-step program, the facilitator teaches you on the first night of your meeting, the first step to recovery is to acknowledge your problem. This nameless woman begged Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. She had to be honest about what was going on in order to get the real problem fixed. It's no sense in going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, my son is late to school every day. Could you fix his demonic force? His attendance ain't got nothing to do with it. I know that's not good grammar. I'm aware. Go to God with what the real problem is. Iyala Van Zant says it like this. Call a thing a thing, people. There's no shame in her game. She names her issue. She names her daughter's situation. She says, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. Some of us hearing this message will never get free because we're too busy trying to cover up our stuff instead of getting the help we really need. Saints, I tell you the truth, I had to wrestle with this text because initially this woman was ignored by Jesus. Isn't this the same compassionate take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there, Jesus? Is this the same one who came to die once for all, Jesus? Is this the one who said we could cast all of our cares on him? Or is this an imposter calling this woman the dog? It was tough, but it didn't matter to this woman. I believe this what this woman heard when she heard Jesus call her a dog, and this was a part of the language of the time. So he was not calling her a physical dog. It was a term used in Israel. I believe this woman said, I might not be in church every Sunday. I might not show up every week for Bible study. I may not sing in a choir or stand at the doors and usher, but there's one thing I do know for sure. If there's healing in the loaf, there's some healing in the crumbs. And since you're healing right now, that's what I need. You can call me what you want. So we must acknowledge who Jesus is. <coughs> Excuse me. We must acknowledge who Jesus is. We must acknowledge what our situation is. And finally, we, we must acknowledge what Jesus is able to do. Jesus' power is so great that when the woman arrived home, she found her daughter healed. Originally, in verse 21, this woman approached Jesus because of what she had heard. But by verse 28, she knew Jesus for herself. She knew that her move with hope and determination happened only because Jesus didn't allow what others thought or what they would say dictate who, how, and when he would heal. The disciples are telling her to make her go away, telling Jesus to make her go away because she was bothering them. But according to my text, it says, Jesus, son of David. We must realize that no devil on earth or in hell can stop what God has for us. We must acknowledge that just because our condition seems hopeless, just because we've been fighting a demonic force, just because we sometimes don't fit the mold that society and the church has set for us, God is still able and willing to heal us by his spirit. Because of this woman's fortitude, her daughter was healed. 
I invite you tonight to join me in hollering, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Our nation is in trouble. As I close and take my seat, I'm reminded of what it's like to hope when you have to holler. I know what it was like when I have had to call on Jesus, the son of David. For years, I tried to find things and people that would satisfy a hunger and an emptiness in my soul that only God could fill. I tried to find other things to deliver me from the things of my past that were tormenting me. I'm so glad I came to my senses and called on the name of Jesus. Having just celebrated Pentecost, I'm reminded the Holy Ghost didn't give up on me, and he won't give up on you either. I'm so glad the Lord hears our prayers and pours out his spirit. I'm reminded that sometimes when you can't holler for yourself, you have to connect with someone who is willing to go to God on your behalf and stand with you and holler for you until you get your deliverance. My prayer is that these mass shootings will stop in this country. Marvin Gaye said it like this, it makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands when I stop and think about how many people have died. I pray we will acknowledge who Jesus is in our life and trust him to recognize us as his children. I pray we will acknowledge that we got a situation going on in this country that only God can fix. I pray we will acknowledge his power and what he's able to do. Pray for the blockers, the politicians, and the church folk who want to get in your way when you go to God. Pray for the folk that think that people are trying to get close to them when all you want is better gun control and a relationship with God. And finally, worship the Lord for what he's doing in your life and what you believe he's going to do. Call on Jesus, the son of David. Holler if you have to, because there's hope in your hollering. Watch God move when you call on his name. Amen. Amen.